welcome to the Grow to Amazing podcast. This is Tony Mays, and I am very happy to have a friend of mine on the podcast today. Uh, she is uh, someone that we've we worked together in a previous career, previous life, and uh, I don't know if we if we we saw each other at the Y a lot. I think working out and things like that uh, when I was actually living in in one place and not traveling, and uh, and she eventually you always kind of had the fitness bug for a long time, but got the got the urge to start her own business. So she worked in software sales at First Logic uh, with me back in the day, and then founded her own business called Changing Lanes Fitness, and uh, has has made a success out of that as well. So her name is Cheryl Kalia. She is uh, definitely a local entrepreneur. She is a trauma-informed yoga instructor, trauma survivor herself, certified fitness trainer, wellness coach and a mother of two who works with women to help them transform themselves physically and emotionally to live up to their fullest potential. So uh, you discovered your passion for wellness and fitness in your mid-20s and uh, realize that you may not be able to control everything in life, but you can control your wellness and you want to bring that to others and help them understand that hope and healing and strength uh, are all things that they can, that they can bring into their lives. So welcome Cheryl. It's very, Cheryl, it's very, very glad to finally get you on the podcast. We've been trying to do this for a long time. So <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So excited. This is my first podcast. Okay. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We'll have to see how long we end up talking here. Cause I know you've got a great story and, and a lot that has gone into your life. And, and so why don't you just tell a little bit about a little bit about where you're from and, and we'll kind of start, start going from there and, and kind of the beginnings to your story. Cause I, it's something you've talked about around the lacrosse area and uh, shared with others. So I'd like to dig into that if you, if we can. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, so I've been in lacrosse now for uh, 27 years, mm -hmm. uh, which is just amazing to me. Uh, it's <laughs> such, a, such an amazing community. Uh, yep. But I was born in Chicago, actually, uh, and lived there until I was 11. And uh, I have two siblings uh, that are both younger than me and um, lived in uh, in uh, upper uh, middle class uh suburbia of Chicago. Nobody really lives in Chicago. It's really suburbs, right? Uh, and so that's where I was born and, and lived till I was 11. And then uh, my parents ended up separating and uh, we moved uh, to Wisconsin. Uh, with your mom or with your dad? Yeah. So with my dad. Uh, okay. So my dad was a, a pretty, uh, a pretty abusive alcoholic. Oh, okay. uh, and my parents, my parents were never married. Uh, their relationship was very uh, very abusive, really, okay. uh, from as far back as I can remember. And uh, oftentimes my brother and I, my brother is about three and a half years younger than me. We would try to protect my mom. Or if my dad was really, uh, intoxicated would just come after my brother and I for whatever reason. And, uh, I would also try oh. to protect my brother because he was little. And, uh, I took the brunt of a lot of my dad's anger. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, physically uh, and emotionally, uh, the abuse uh, went on for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. And there would be moments when my dad on the weekends would, uh, you know, take us out for, you know, fast food or, you know, ice cream or things like that and, and truly be the dad uh, that he was capable of being. Um, and so, as you I get, so you get these moments of hope 
in amongst all of that or, or things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he was the dad that my friends had, uh, Mm -hmm. that I wanted him to be, but unfortunately those moments were kind of few and far between. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was, uh, the summer before I was going into sixth grade and I was going to go into a new school. Uh, and, uh, my dad had a new girlfriend and decided that he was going to kick us out of our home. And so my mom, you and your, you and your brother, yeah. my brother and my mom wow. yep. and, my, <laughs> okay. and my baby sister, uh, my sister was only six months old. Wow. Where was so, the baby sister from your mother or from a, okay. Yep. Yep. So she'd been pregnant and had, a, had a baby while they were separated and yes. wow. Okay. Yes. So, um, so we lived, uh, I have pretty fond memories of living in our car for a couple of days. Uh, you know, it this was is, not. So your mom came and got you basically and took you out of that. And so, yeah. so we basically were all three of us were kicked out and we did live yeah. with a neighbor for uh, a couple of days, but I think that just became too much. And so uh, my mom didn't know what to do. So we kind of lived out of our car for a couple of days. Uh, and my mom was a single mom and she had only worked part-time. Uh, she didn't really have an education outside of high school. So did she have her own mental health challenges as well or not? You no, know, she did. I think, yeah. you know, I just think being with my dad for, uh, you know, off and on for 10 years, uh, yeah. My mom became pregnant with me in high school. So she was only, she was only 17 when she became pregnant. And my dad was in a previous uh, marriage relationship and then he was in the army. And so there was a lot of dynamics that I think has slowly started to be uncovered to me as I've grown up and and become an adult. Uh, That explains some of my dad's behaviors and the relationship that my parents had. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so, you know, my mom is, uh, I think she's, what, uh, 30, 31. And, uh, she's got three kids and no real education. And now we're homeless. She has no job, limited money. Uh, and so we made our way to Wisconsin and we actually used to vacation in, uh, Adam's friendship, which is where we ended up moving to. We had a little summer, uh, camper there. And, uh, which I thought was bizarre because I was like, we, we used to like spend summers here, not like here. <laughs> yeah. Um, where you live, right. Uh, they, they didn't even have a stoplight at the time, uh, or yeah. a quick trip. Uh, now they yeah. have both of those, but, um, But my aunt had moved there. My mom's sister had moved there uh, with her kids to get them out of the city because my cousin was getting into some trouble. So that's kind of how we landed in Adam's friendship because people are like, how did you end up there, right? It's a very very small town uh, 40 years ago or not quite 40 years ago. So uh, that's where we ended up. And uh, to say that I was pissed off uh, is really an understatement. Taken away from all your friends, everything you knew. Yeah, yeah. Even though I knew obviously that the relationship with my dad and and getting away from the abuse, um, but it was really all I had known my whole life. And so now I was in this little bitty city. Uh, I didn't know anybody. I was going to go into sixth grade in this little school where people had known each other and grown grown up with each other since they were, you know, in daycare. And so here I was this outsider. Uh, 
and, and you were like, and you were living in a camper at the same time so well uh, so we or did you a mobile we ended up in a mobile home okay so uh we were ended up in a trailer park essentially and uh i hated it yeah i uh i hated it i was so just embarrassed of like this was my life now and yeah. um I went to school and I just hated getting up. I hated going to school. I, uh, it was a fight. It was a fight every day to get you out the door. It was, yeah. it was. And my mom had her own battles, right? You know, she's trying to find a job because now she's, you know, here in this new city with uh, three kids that she's got to take care of. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, yeah, I was probably uh, just kind of starting on my path to some self-destructive behaviors. And so at 12, essentially, uh, I turned to food uh, as a way to be able to just cope with yeah. life. Uh, and I felt like food made me feel better, right? Uh, temporarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Moment. And I had always been a pretty active kid uh, and never had issues with food growing up. Uh, until then, uh, until I realized that food was a source of comfort, especially sweets, junk food. Uh, and of course, again, you know, we were on food stamps and government assistance. And so the things that, you know, we did have in the house, and again, my mom did her best. I would never say she didn't. She did the best with what she had, but we didn't have a lot of healthy options. You know, we had ramen noodles and, <laughs> and you know, pop Lots pies. of cheese. Yeah. yeah, mac and cheese and, uh, you know, cheap hot dogs and just cheap uh, nutrient, uh, not very nutrient foods, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I continued kind of some of that behavior for several years, just really turning to food and uh, no exercise. Uh, and school was... I would go. So it wasn't, so it wasn't an anorexia type thing. It was, or a bulimia type thing. It was more just overeating type. It was just using I, food yeah. as a comfort, right? Gotcha. So um, you weren't like doing anything other like cutting or anything like that, or you weren't that, that level of, of no, okay. other, no other self-destructive behaviors yeah. at that time, other than food really. Yeah. Um, so does that mean you put on a lot of weight in middle school then as well? I did. I yeah. did, which was really hard being in middle school and then at a new school with, with kids. And I, I hit puberty and other things much faster. So then that was also some source of angst, uh, being a middle schooler and your body's changing and, yeah. uh, and then friends. And I just, uh, middle school, I don't know what's pleasant for anybody. Right. <laughs> and so, but mm -hmm. you add some of those oh, yeah. other factors in and then it really became uh just not a pleasant experience mm -hmm. yep yep then I yep. started running with the wrong crowd I picked up some <laughs> friends that uh were maybe not uh not uh, in the best interest and I uh found drinking yeah in, in middle school yeah, yeah yeah in eighth grade okay yeah I discovered alcohol and my, my mom, uh, was, was your mom also an alcoholic or was she just no. the, the, the target of, of your dad's yeah, alcoholism? Yeah. yeah. Pretty much gotcha. the target of my dad. My mom really didn't drink, uh, but she had started dating, uh, again. And, uh, we didn't really have any contact with my dad much at all at this point. He was not involved, uh, mm -hmm. 
And I just because he had his new girlfriend. So exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, but I discovered and found alcohol in the house. Uh and uh ended up getting an underage drinking ticket uh in eighth grade at 13. Mm -hmm. Wow. And from there, things um things really just spiraled. Uh drinking. Uh then I discovered cigarettes and pot. And I uh, started skipping school. Uh, once I got into high school, things really just uh, a lot of self-destructive behavior. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't get involved in anything harder with drugs, which I'm so glad that I maybe don't live. Uh, I'm not a teenager today yeah. because well, I think thankfully back then. this. When did you graduate high school, or when so did I graduated you? in 1990? Okay. So, so I mean, meth wasn't a thing back then, thankfully. No, so no, meth or heroin, really. Yeah. I mean, I knew that there was cocaine maybe going around school, but that kind of scared me a little bit. So uh, I thought pot was much safer and drinking was really my, uh, drinking was my go-to was definitely. (laughs) Um, And then my senior year, uh, beginning of my senior year, I met a boy and I thought I was- Darn boys. Yeah. And this was- This was my first uh, real relationship uh, that I had. And um, that relationship was really pretty toxic. It involved a lot of heavy drinking and partying and pot mm-hmm. smoking. Mm-hmm. And uh, any any point, abuse or anything like that at the time or not? Not initially. Yeah, yeah. But it started. Yeah. Started fairly quickly in the relationship, um, and I. My grades were, were decent. Uh, I was missing a lot of school and uh, halfway through my senior year, uh, well, I turned 18 in December mm-hmm. of my senior year. And then I thought, well, I don't really need school. I'm going to mm-hmm. hang out with this boy all the time who didn't have a job. Was he out of, he was um, already out of school or yeah, he was uh, okay. four years older than me. Okay. Yeah, he was older. And I thought that was the life that you could just do whatever you wanted, wake up when you wanted, no responsibilities. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, that looks great, but that's yeah. not quite reality. So, uh, but I did, I dropped out of high school my senior year because I wanted to be with him. Yeah. Uh, but then I was working, I was. Oh, hold on here, shoot. Kind of lost you for a second there. You you said you weren't you dropped out of school and then you weren't working or anything like that. No, I was I was working part time at Subway, so part time okay. job, gotcha. uh, and then realized that my job was going to be supporting both of us. Gotcha. Um, a minimum wage job back then. I don't know, two or three <laughs> bucks an hour. It was back in the you yep. know in yep. 1989. Yep. Uh, and so. Uh, then the abuse had started and, uh, it was more controlling, controlling behaviors, like wondering where I was, what I was doing, who I was with. There's no cell phones uh, back then. So he couldn't see where, or he couldn't call you or anything like that or not easily anyway. So right. definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of behaviors of my father started to come out in him, especially well, drinking. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, just with the drinking and then add the drugs on top of that too. And he was doing other drugs. I later found out not just pot smoking, but uh, a pretty significant uh, cocaine 
habit. Okay. And I mean, to be honest, you had no example of what a relationship should look like that was, that was healthy. So it doesn't surprise me at all that you would go into that kind of a relationship because what do they say that, that girls marry their fathers, right? Or, Absolutely. you know, their father type figure. And that's 100%. Yeah. And I was, I was a classic case of that uh, through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the abuse, uh, the physical abuse uh, started taking place. Uh, we ended up living together. And uh, what then, did your mom say to you during this time? If you don't mind my ask. Uh, she was worried about me. I could tell that she was worried about me. Uh, he was also in and out of jail many times. Okay. And I would use money and borrow money to bail him out of jail. And, uh, you know, I think my mom, uh, my mom knew that it wasn't a good situation and would maybe try to tell me that, but I think that she, I just didn't want to listen. Yeah. And I think my mom didn't want to ruin the relationship that we had. So I think she would just go along with it. Uh, and by this time, my mom had remarried uh, my stepdad, Jeff, who they're still together to this day. So that um, actually, I was going to ask you if that actually is a healthy relationship that she got into her second one. My mom's. Yes. Yeah. Yes, your mom's. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. My mom, my mom and my stepdad, Jeff, have been married for, I should know this, but uh, 30 years, 30 years, it's, roughly it's over 30 years now. Yeah. yeah. They, they married when I was uh, in eighth grade, actually. Okay. Gotcha. When things gotcha. started kind of taking a toll with, uh, with my life even more, uh, and no reflection on my, my stepdad because, uh, he's been great and really tried to be a dad for sure. Yeah. What did he um, say to you while during these times? You know, he was kind of the quiet type and he didn't say a lot. Uh, yeah. and, and Jeff is still to this day, uh, <laughs> kind of the quiet type, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think he has his own thoughts, but doesn't often share them unless you were to ask him and then okay. he would be, be honest. But I never asked back then because I didn't. So he didn't to- try to be a dad surrogate or anything like that or. or. No, I think more just kind of, uh, you know, was there. I think if we, uh, you know, needed maybe a place to live, I, I lived with my parents off and on for the first couple mm-hmm. of years until I ended up moving to lacrosse uh, because mm-hmm. my relationship with uh, with my boyfriend then was so you know, tumultuous. Uh, He he wouldn't pay the rent. He would take the money for drugs. I'd give him rent money and he wouldn't pay it. And then (laughs) kicked out. Um, And then at 19, I found myself pregnant. Uh, And that's where, you know, I'd been with him for uh, roughly a year and a half, uh, almost two years. And uh, he, he pushed me down a flight of stairs and, uh, I was pregnant at the time and that was sort of the breaking point for me that I knew that, you know, here's the thing. I didn't think that I deserve, I I knew that I didn't deserve um, anything better is what I really thought. I thought that I deserved the abuse, right? Because that's where I came from. And I thought, well, well, this is what I grew up with and here we go again. Right. Um, But I knew that my unborn child uh, who is my daughter today, uh, deserved better. Right. And so I wanted something better for her. And that's, how did you know that? I mean, how did you believe that? You know, I think because of the way that I grew up, uh, there has to be something better, you know, Yeah, I just had said, you know, when I become a parent someday, if I become a parent someday, um, I I really want to be better. I want to do better Yeah. uh, for my potential kids. 
Yeah. So Cheryl and I also go to the same church, First Free and on Alaska. And I know it's been transformative for me. I'm pretty sure it's been transformative for you also. And we'll get to that eventually too. Did you have much of a church or faith life growing up at all or not? You know, I did not. Uh, I had some friends when I grew up, when I was a kid in Illinois that had went to Sunday school and talked of church. And um, it was, uh, I think back to that now. And I was just so like envious of that. I was just so, um, and I get emotional about it because I just, um, I think I see their faith to some of those friends that I had. And I wish I was remained in contact with them because uh, one yeah. of my friends in particular really just talked about God and her God. And I just thought, wow, I wish, I wish that was my God. I yeah. wish I was God <laughs> like that. And, you know, now I see he was yeah. there. He was there the yeah. whole time, but but back then, uh, no. And I honestly, um, I fought that relationship with God for a really long time because, um, I just thought if there, if there really was a God, like how could he let these bad things happen to me in my life? Yeah. Um, yeah. and I, I just, I, I don't understand. Somehow you just, somehow it. you deserved it for something or whatever. Yeah. Kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so the pregnancy really was a turning point for me. Um, you know, I, I was, I was, I was going to be now an unwed mom, uh, with no education. I was a high school dropout. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have money. I didn't have a car. Uh, and so I was like, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out my life. And so, um, luckily, you know, I made it all the way through up to my senior year. And I, I feel like I'm a pretty smart, uh, I'm, I'm smart. If I apply myself, I just, I just didn't. And so yeah. I enrolled in a mid-state in the technical college in Adams. I moved back home with my parents mm -hmm. um, and I enrolled in school and ended up getting my GED and I had my daughter, uh, got myself uh, a job and was working two jobs at one time, uh, moved out, got in some low-income housing and I'm this so thankful. Still in Adam's friendship. I'm area. still in Adam's, okay. yeah. So very thankful to uh, the wonderful people at Mid-State Technical College in Adams because they really saw something in me. And um, if I could see them today, I would just <laughs> thank them. I would thank their staff because there was just a turning point because they believed in me. And I never really had anybody believe in me before. And yeah. they said, you know, based on your, your what you got on your GED scores, you're smart. Like you can go on to college mm -hmm. and, um, like, no, thought, I can't do that. I, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, didn't, I, I thought that's for other people, right? That's for, yeah. that's for regular people that, you know, yeah. I don't know that I could do that, but, but they encouraged me. And so we just started looking at, you know, okay, well, what could I do? What could I do that would, you know, make me a decent amount of money as a single mom and I could raise my mm -hmm. daughter and, um, and support her and myself. And so, um, I was, had always been interested in law and actually, uh, when I was a kid, I actually, uh, pretended I was going to be a lawyer. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up, so to speak. And I would watch law shows. And, um, mm -hmm. and so obviously I knew going to be a lawyer and go to law school as a mom, a single mom at that was probably not in the cards for me. So, uh, I looked at being a paralegal. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I always like to tell the story because uh, at that time in 1992, two or three, uh, there were okay. only three schools in the state of Wisconsin that had the paralegal program in a technical college. Mm -hmm. uh, and one was in Superior. And I thought, oh, that's way too cold. I can't live up there. <laughs> uh, I was freezing to death. 
Uh, the other one's in Milwaukee, and that was like a big city and pretty scary. And I just thought, yeah. gosh, I, I don't think I could be a mom in that big city. And yeah. then the other was lacrosse. Now, I, I never even heard of lacrosse. I didn't even know yeah. where lacrosse was. Um, but so my mom and I and, and my daughter uh, took a road trip, and we came to lacrosse, and I fell in love with it. I thought mm -hmm. it was the most beautiful city with the Mississippi and the bluffs. And I got a beautiful tour at Western Technical College. And um, I just decided, I said, this is where I'm moving. I'm going to, yeah. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know <laughs> a person. I thought, I'm yeah. going to move. Me and my daughter are going to move. And um, we did. My daughter oh. was two and a half. I packed up a U-Haul and uh, I couldn't find affordable housing in La Crosse area. Uh, I didn't know about this little community called Onalaska. Uh, <laughs> I ended up living in Hoka, Minnesota. I rented uh. a house there because it was all I could afford uh, yep. at the time. But I moved here and um, that first year was tough. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I wanted to give up. I wanted to mm -hmm. quit. I wanted to throw in the towel and I wanted to move back to the safety and security of Adams. What was the toughest part? Just the, the, you tell me, I guess, the support infrastructure or lack thereof? or the classes or just what, from your perspective? I think I just felt there were, there were a lot of pieces of it. Uh, the paralegal program just didn't, it just didn't seem to be a fit for me. Okay. Um, I didn't make friends. You know, many people at the school were 18 and fresh out of high school, nothing against that, but that mm -hmm. wasn't where Cheryl was coming from. I was, 20, <laughs> I was 24, I had a two-year-old, uh, yep. My nights were not filled with drinking and partying. My nights were, you know, uh, you know, story time and and mm -hmm. and putting together my you know, putting to bed my two year old. And so I just didn't feel like I belonged here. I didn't mm -hmm. have a community. I uh, I didn't have support. I didn't have money. Uh, I just uh, I really felt pretty isolated. Were you still I, struggling with the with the eating thing at this point as well? I was still struggling with eating. I was still struggling with alcohol. Uh, I was still struggling with the need to be in a relationship. Uh, mm -hmm. I had been back and forth with, uh, with my daughter, Skyla, with her father. Um, and that abuse uh, was another reason that I knew I had to get out of Adams. Sure. Um, he had tried to, um, quote unquote, uh, you know, steal her, kidnap her, keep her away hmm. from me several times. The police were involved. And so uh, for my own safety, I knew I needed to be and stay in lacrosse and not go back to Adams, which is where he was living. Uh, yeah. you know, my, my mom offered to get me a job at her factory, which again, you know, I love my mom, but I knew that I <laughs> wanted more than a factory job. Right. Yeah. So after my first semester at Western, I actually ended up moving into the marketing program. And um, I can say that was when things really changed for me. I really started making friends I moved out of Hoka, moved into Onalaska, um, and that's where I'm still at today is living in the Onalaska community and um, and got myself through school, um, graduated with my marketing degree uh, and was actually a speaker at graduation, uh, spoke to awesome. the graduating class. Um, here's a girl, high school dropout, who is now speaking at graduation. And so it was really, um, it really just came full circle for me. Uh, was that was that kind of start the start of actually feeling like you had some self-worth kind of a thing? It was. It was. Yeah. Uh, I had joined a marketing club in at Western and um, that just really uh, it just brought out the best in me. I really could just see some potential that I had um, and sales. Sales was really where I was like, 
I got some satisfaction in sales and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just really just discovered kind of who I was and, uh, I got my first sales job selling copiers. And I'm telling you, if you can sell copy machines, <laughs> there isn't anything you can't do or sell, I'm telling you, man, because you will come face to face with some pretty aggressive and mean people, yep. a copier salesperson, but, Oh, I survived that for two years uh, and and did pretty well. And then after that is when I moved into my position at First Logic um, and just moved through uh, through sales Um, and had some relationships here and there. But again, um, was really did you did you feel like you deserve something? When did you feel like you finally deserve something better from a relationship? I think it was probably when I met my husband, uh, which I was close to thirty. My daughter was nine. Um, and I met him kind of on a blind date, sort of a setup uh, with from his cousin. And um, he uh, is it was eight years younger than me, so younger coming into the relationship. But um, I maybe started to realize like how a real relationship should be, like how a man and woman you know should communicate and be in a relationship, and um, a woman should be treated. Yeah. And, uh, but we married pretty quickly. Um, we didn't date for very long and, um, I, I found myself pregnant, um, with our son. And, uh, so we kind of got married, uh, pretty quick and bought a house <laughs> and kind of settled into married life, if you will. Um, initially, I guess, uh, but then started to have some difficulties with our daughter. Um, so my, uh, Former husband, actually, uh, Jim uh, did adopt Skyla. So Skyla's biological father gave up rights to her, um, and uh, which was a blessing, really, truly a blessing that she was able to have a, a father um, and feel part of a family. Which and is she was that, she was how old when you and, and Jim married? So she was a, she was ten. She was ten. Okay. Was 10, okay. And then he adopted her a year later, uh, which was just nice for us all to come together as a family. And, um, but that presented its challenges, of course, too, because it had just been her and I for so long. And so, um, she started to battle some depression, uh, and Mm -hmm. some anxiety. And, uh, and then I saw some alcohol abuse, some drug abuse. And so that started to take kind of runs on the family, huh? A little bit. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And at this time, you know, I'm still battling my own, uh, issue with alcohol, uh, as I reflect back on that, um, because I am now, uh, five and a half years sober, uh, awesome. today, Congratulations. in April. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's five has, and a half years today. Well, awesome. yeah, somewhere or... around there. It'll be yeah, in, Mar- <laughs> okay. it'll, in March. It'll be six. It'll be six years in March. Okay. March 18th. Awesome. So, um, it's been a battle. I mean, I can, yeah. I'm finally at a good place where I can say that I've, uh, I've overcome my addiction, but to, um, yeah, but back then I was still battling that. So, so to see my daughter had a dealt that path, I was scared, um, mm-hmm. scared for her. Uh, and that was a good, probably 12 year battle with my daughter with depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, cutting, she got into cutting. Oh, okay. Um, was she ever well, suicidal or anything like that or. And very suicidal. Yeah. Okay. We were in behavioral health, uh, and suicide attempts many times we were at the I'm, a, I'm assuming she's okay with you talking about this i think you guys have presented yes. together and yeah yep. we have yeah. she's pretty open about her struggles and uh it's something that both her and i are very passionate about today is mental health 
and yeah. suicide because we want more people to talk about it because too many people do suffer in silence. And uh, from the outside, I think many people would have looked at my daughter and our family as, mm -hmm. wow, they're like this cute little family, right? You know, they've yeah. got the daughter and the son and the dog and the mom and the dad and everything's great. Yeah. Um, but my daughter would say there's a totally different story. My daughter was almost a straight A student. Mm -hmm. uh, she had pretty decent friend group, uh, but there was a lot of struggles there. Yeah. Do you, um, when she was, uh, your fitness, the fitness part that you're going to get to eventually that hadn't started yet at this point either. Sorry. No, just want to make sure I keep, when we keep yeah. that in. Yeah. yeah so, but, so I was still in sales and I was still traveling and I was traveling quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and software was, sales is not the most conducive thing to not drinking. That's for sure. Cause that's what you do when you go visit clients, you take them out to dinner, have some drinks, and then you got time on the road to yourself at the same time. So. And I would absolutely say that, uh, the sales culture, uh, yeah. was just, um, it was primed for my drinking to continue. Uh, yeah. And I realized now, you know, six years, almost six years out that I used alcohol again in those situations because I was anxious, because yeah. I was nervous and it was a way for me to relax and, uh, and feel at ease around customers and be myself uh, around large groups. Mm -hmm. uh, because so now the, over, I struggle with that. Yeah. So anxiety is a way of, or anxiety comes from just lack of confidence in yourself and just fitting in type thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was always, I was using the alcohol just like I was using a, a food. Um, mm -hmm. It's just that emotional support. And so, uh, yeah, I continue. Did you enjoy, did you love your coworkers at First Logic though, or, or enjoy working with them? Of course, of yeah. course. Yeah, I did. Oh yeah. yeah, no, I absolutely did. I mean, First Logic propelled me into um, into what I would call a continuing, you know, successful sales career. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, and I and I still to this day I love sales. And my job today as a business owner is really selling. I'm selling myself yeah. as the, the service, right? Uh, yep. And I think that's why I've been able to. Uh, managed surviving a pandemic and I've been in business you know, <laughs> for four years now uh, yeah. through all that. Uh, yeah. So things turned for me. Uh, I had just turned 40 and I was with uh, my last software company and things started. I, I noticed, you know, you notice when things aren't going well in an, an organization and there's yeah. rumors of, of cuts being made and uh, sadly, I was uh, part of that, uh, that first cut of people getting laid off. And uh, so I was 40. And what year was this? What year was this again? This would have been 2011, 10 years this ago. Was, it, you had left First Logic at that point, or you yeah, were with I a different software first, company? Yeah, I had left yeah. First Logic, and then I had a few different jobs, sales jobs in between there, um, doing some different, gotcha. a variety of different things. But this had been my most long-term sales job since First Logic. I was with uh, this company. It was a vascular testing software company out of St. Paul. Okay, gotcha. And so um, uh, I found myself 40 and unemployed <laughs> for the first time ever. And I can say that 
things in my marriage and family life weren't all that great because I was so uh, on the road so much and so much of my life was devoted to my career, right? My health and fitness was in the ditch because, well, let's be honest, when you're traveling a lot and you're going out to eat, you're not going to the gym and you're not eating salads, you're eating, you know, all the other stuff, right? Yep. So yep. my everything in my life from a wellness perspective was really <laughs> in the ditch. And so uh, as I look back, of course, it was an opportunity, right, for me to really figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, and yeah. I had a chance to stay in, in software and sales, uh, but I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't. And yeah. so I took a leap of faith. Uh, I had been into fitness, like I said, since my 20s, because it was a way for me to really control one aspect of my life. I could work out, right? I could do that. I can control that. And especially with my eating, my eating was still yeah. all across the board. And I did struggle with some uh, bulimia and some disordered eating. And so uh, when my eating was really uh, high, uh, working out was a way for me not to gain as much weight. Sure. So friends had said, you know, you should think about being a personal trainer. And so I started looking into that. And uh, ultimately, that's what I decided uh, that that's what I was going to pursue. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, got a job at the YMCA. And the more I got into fitness, the more I started just examining my own health behaviors, right? I just started looking at myself and thinking, well, gosh, Cheryl, you're not really practicing what you're preaching. If you're <laughs> going and binging on, you know, a bag of candy or, you know, cause that's what I would do. I yeah. wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be just, you know, one piece of chocolate. It would be like, I'd have to eat the whole bag of chocolate. Or <laughs> it wouldn't just be one glass of wine. I'd have to drink the bottle or two bottles of wine. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't an everyday thing, uh, with food or alcohol, it would be binges. It would be binge yeah. episodes. Right. And so, the more I just started to learn more about fitness and I started to get into some of the trauma work, um, mm -hmm. that was really a turning point for me. And uh, the reason for some of my uh, initial digging into the trauma work was really to help my daughter. Yeah. Uh, her junior and senior year of high school, I think was probably uh, coming to the height of her depression. Uh, and she then also post graduation got into same relationship as her mom had yeah. with an abusive, abusive guy, yeah. very, very abusive, uh, emotionally yeah. and mentally abusive to her. Did there, I mean, she just didn't want to listen to you at all during high school or was she too caught up in her own world to really reach out? You know, it ebbed and flowed. My daughter yeah. and I have a very close relationship and we always have. Uh, and I think she would have moments of knowing that uh, her behavior and uh, that she was on a self-destructive path, but I think she would just then get caught up in it. Uh, her depression would take over uh, and she would turn to the drugs and the alcohol and the partying is a way, again, of coping, mm -hmm. uh, of skills to cope. Was it, uh, I'm assuming from behavioral health, mentioning behavioral health and things like that, that she was on meds and things like that at times. Did, we, was it hard to keep her consistently on them, I'm guessing? If, yeah, if, we, we, tried, we tried everything, Tony. We, yeah, we tried yeah. all the medications. We tried 
tough love. (laughs) And we tried therapy, talk therapy. We really did it all. And that's when I really started digging into some of the trauma work because I wanted a way to fix her, to help her. And then I will never forget. uh, It was the year escapes me, uh, but it was right before Thanksgiving. And uh, she was still in this abusive relationship. And uh, we were at behavioral health for another suicide attempt. And this is where my faith journey started because I, uh, I just, I didn't have it anymore. I was at my rock bottom. My daughter was at her rock bottom. And I remember they had her in basically this, uh, it wasn't a padded cell, but it was white walls and there was nothing around because they don't want you to hurt yourself. And yeah. she's completely in this gown and in this bed. And I was asked to step out and I'm in the halls of the behavioral health. And I literally dropped to my knees and I pleaded and begged God to save my daughter yeah. because I, had, I didn't have anything left. I yeah. had nothing else. And I thought, okay, this is it, God, I need you now. If you're real and people keep telling me how real you are, then I need you right now in this moment to show up for me, but more importantly, to show up and save that girl. Yeah. And he did, he did, he saved her. Yeah. And I promised him that day, if you save her, you tell me what you need me to do. And I will, yeah. I will obey, I will follow, I will surrender. I will screw up because, well, we're human and that's what we yeah. do, right? but I <laughs> yeah. will try my best to follow what you need me to do. Mm-hmm. And that started my path. Uh, I was still a little resistant the following <laughs> year, but Aren't we that, all? Yeah. that year going into that year that my husband and I found first free. Uh, and I was super nervous about going there because again, I, I really thought church was for, uh, good people, people so, that were. Yeah. Before you go there, how did yeah. you feel that he was there for her? So we, we left there and, uh, she, that spring got out of that relationship. Uh, okay. and I feel that was God. I feel that was God's intervention. To, find, to finally open, open her eyes enough to be able to, because, and to give her the confidence to be able to do that. Because yeah. this boy was going to live uh, and he wanted her to come live with this group of, they were going to rent this house or something like that together. And, uh, and she just said she felt like she couldn't do it and ended uh-huh. up getting her own apartment on her own. First time ever living on her own, which I know was super scary for her. Um, but she started making those steps. So I saw that God was showing up in her life. Things for me were starting to take a turning point. I started my journey with some trauma yoga training. Uh, Today, I hold 130 hours of uh, certification in trauma-specific training geared towards yoga and mental health and addiction. Mm-hmm. And that my journey started and I was super scared to do it, Tony. I'll be honest with you uh, because I knew it was going to force me to examine again, my own junk and yeah. I didn't want to go there, yeah. uh, but I knew that's where God was calling me. And I made him that promise and I, I don't back down on my promises. So as I started taking the steps, I just felt like 
this is the right path for me, right? Yeah. So I really felt like he was there, even though I kind of pushed back at times. Yeah. Uh, I kept taking those small steps forward, and so did my daughter. Awesome. Yeah. So did the did your <clears throat> your faith journey? You started talking about how you, how you got into first free. Was was Jim on the same page with you with that as well? <laughs> I could edit that part out. <laughs> the UPS guy was delivering something. I don't even know what I ordered. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yep. Um, so yes, Jim was on board. Uh, we started attending church together. Uh, we actually invited our daughter uh, to come initially. Uh, why, first, why first free? Why first free? Sorry, you mentioned that before, but uh, I was going to go there too, but sorry. Yeah, that's a great question. So actually I had been there probably a year or so prior. Uh, it was a women's event called the If Gathering. And I had a friend had invited me there. And I'll say when I showed up, it's Friday night and then a Saturday and I showed up Friday night and I sat there in that parking lot for, I don't know, probably a good <laughs> half an hour, 45 minutes. And again, I kept thinking, I don't, this is not for me. These women are going to like, like, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not like them. Right. Like I'm just yeah. broken. I'm, I've got yeah. such a sordid past. I got so many skeletons in the closet. They're falling out. Like. I just, I didn't think it was a place for me, but then I, I told my, I make myself, I make promises with myself or little bets, right? So I said, okay, Cheryl, just go Friday night. And if you hate it, don't go back on Saturday, right? Yeah. Like Friday yeah. night was only like four hours. So I was like, well, you have to do four hours or three hours, whatever it was. So I went Friday night and Misty Lone was speaking, who's an amazing speaker, local business entrepreneur, who I totally admire. And uh, I, I was captivated. I, I love the women. I loved the, uh, the, the, the whole meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I loved first freeze logo come as you are. And I realized it's not just a tagline. Uh, mm -hmm. they really mean it. And yeah. some of the people that I met were members there. And I thought, wow, this is like a pretty cool place. So I did go back to the if gathering on Saturday, and had a great <laughs> experience, but it took me a whole year before plus, uh, before I actually, you know, stepped foot in as a, as a, you know, a part of the congregation, I guess, if you will, on a Sunday morning. Okay. Um, but I, the more I went, uh, the more I felt like it was family. Yeah. Like I belonged there and I would see people from the Y there. Mm -hmm. And I had talked to people at the Y and didn't know that they went to first free. But when I talked to them at the Y, I always like felt there was something about them that was so genuine, so mm -hmm. loving. And I thought, are they for real? Like, how are they so happy and just like, they don't even know me, but they're asking questions about me. And I realized it was because they had such a God-filled heart. Yeah. Nope. And I wanted more of that. Yeah. And, so, and there's a lot of like peaceful souls and things like that. there, just filled yeah. with grace. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I didn't get it either. I don't think. 
at first. <laughs> and I love the music. I have to say, the yeah. music is my. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, that band will rock you out. And I find yeah. myself like sometimes I have to listen online, and it's not the same because man, there's nothing like being there and just like jamming out to Aaron or Cody or I yep. mean that that worship band will just get you out of any kind of bad mood that you might be in for sure. Yep. Uh, and when did and, you feel? Uh, when did you feel kind of the trauma bubble start to burst a little bit? Yeah. Because I think you, uh, from what I can tell, you probably still hadn't dealt with all of that yet. Yeah. So as I, as I went, worked through my, uh, my certification hours, uh, that was about a year and a half journey and many different pieces of the, the classes. So I would go to Madison for two days, uh, a Saturday, well, Friday uh, through, through Sunday uh, for yeah. training, for 16 hours of training. And uh, those weekends would be pretty intense at times. And, uh, you know, some of the trainings were easier than others, um, but I left two trainings for the very end of my certification. And now looking back, it was not by happenstance. <laughs> um, one of them was called um, uh, yoga, uh, was it yoga warrior kids? And I thought it was going to be teaching yoga to kids that had trauma. No, no, it was the, the trauma, the childhood trauma inside of you, your own kid, gotcha. child, you know, trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that was hard. Yeah, that was that was really some uh, some tough stuff to uncover, um, but it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do always say that in order for us to help others, we have to first heal ourselves, yeah. and that healing doesn't have to be completed but we have to at least start that journey. Yeah. Do you, um, do you remember a lot of your childhood? I remember bits and pieces and some of it comes back to me. Yeah. Um, in moments, uh, one of the big things for me, uh, was a revelation in a uh, yoga class. And I've been practicing yoga off and on for about 15 years now. Um, but I can say, uh, and I like to tell, especially new people that come to my classes that, uh, if you don't like yoga now, uh, keep coming back. Um, yeah. because I hated it when I first started and I thought <laughs> this is stupid. Why am I laying on a mat? I need to be sweating. I need to be breathing hard. My heart rate needs to be elevated. I need to be burning calories. Um, mm -hmm. and I did not take yoga for anything of what it was really its purpose. And it mm -hmm. can be all of those things, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. But when I practice yoga at the end is Shavasana, right? Our final rest. And I would always need, so you're laying on your back typically, and I would always need a towel or something, even if I was my sweatshirt over my eyes. And I never uh -huh. knew why I did that. I did it for years. Like unconsciously, I would do it at the end of class. Uh -huh. It wasn't until I was in the warrior kids uh, yoga training that I had a breakthrough. I had a flashback. And the reason that I always needed my eyes covered was, um, because growing up with the abuse with my dad, my brother and I would, uh, my brother had a, a full size bed and I had bunk beds. And so I would often go into my brother's room and my dad came home in kind of an alcoholic rage. And I would go into my brother's room and get into bed with him. And we'd pull the covers up over our heads so that it would protect us. And like my dad wouldn't see that we were there. Mm. And we would do that often. We would anything we would be hide behind curtains and it would be anything to cover our face. And that would be 
as a way that we would be protected. Yeah. Yeah. And today I'm happy to say, I don't, I don't need <laughs> that towel. I don't reach for it. Um, the first so that, time you did it, how was your anxiety? It was tough. So yeah. then I focused on just breathing through it and yeah. knowing that I was safe. Um, and that's what I try to encourage some of my participants to do um, is just breathe through those tough moments mm-hmm. uh, because it's not easy, but every time it gets mm-hmm. easier. Mm-hmm. And then you my have- last... Yeah. Go oh, go, no, no, go ahead. Go and my ahead. last class um, that I was kind of resistant on was um, addiction, uh, was sure. really focused on addiction and recovery and yoga and how that can be beneficial in the addiction space. Um, mm-hmm. And it was at that, that was at the point that I really had realized um, because I, I stopped drinking, uh, not because I thought I had a problem. Uh, that's what's mm-hmm. funny because people ask me, well, how did you stop? And um, it was a bet with a client because again, I need <laughs> right. So a client was struggling to lose weight. And so I, I, uh, we, we realized that she was drinking a little too much wine, right? Yeah. Um, and her wine problem and my wine problem worlds apart, very different. Yeah. Um, and so I said, okay, let's make a bet. Uh, the first one that drinks wine has to take the other one to dinner or some lunch or something like that. So she lasted about six weeks. And then I think family was in town and they went to a winery. Right. And so I made it six weeks and I thought, huh, well, I kind of feel pretty good without this Uh alcohol and my weight is staying more manageable. Right. Uh, I'm not going to just going to keep seeing how this goes. And then six weeks turned into six months, six months turned into a year. And then I was like, wow. And I don't know. I, I try to think back. And when I finally realized that like it had been a problem for me mm-hmm. uh, and maybe it was a year or maybe it was even two years into it. And I, I thought, wow, uh, I'm, you know, two years sober now mm-hmm. and this is pretty good. I, I am not waking up um, embarrassed by what I did mm-hmm. uh, because I had maybe uh, said something inappropriate or did something inappropriate uh, many times I had driven a car uh, and yeah. thank God I never hurt myself or somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of inappropriate uh, self-destructive behaviors took place when I was drinking because again, I was not somebody who drank every day. And many people, even my friends to this day would say, well, you didn't have a drinking problem. Yeah. In their opinion, I did not. But yeah. I know deep down, I was not using alcohol as, oh, it's, you know, we can go out and have one cocktail or two glasses of wine as a way to unwind from a week. No, for Cheryl, it was, I was going to have a bottle or two bottles of wine, a bottle of vodka, whatever the case was, it was not going to be just a social Mm -hmm. thing for me. It was to numb the pain. It was to feel less anxious in a social situation. Right. And so, um, had Jim said anything about your drinking at all or not? You know, he, he didn't, uh, from time to time we would get into major fights though, when I drank. Yeah. And so I was not a happy go lucky drunk. Uh, <laughs> I, was my, I was my dad. I was my yeah. dad. Drunk. Uh, yeah. I was, me. I, I was not physically abusive, uh, but I was definitely verbally abusive, uh, to friends, to family, to my husband, yeah. uh, not really to my kids, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it was only a matter of time before I would have been right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, take away the alcohol and that part got better. It did. Sure. 
It did. Uh, My health and wellness. And just realizing uh, that again, just like food, uh, the alcohol was just a coping mechanism. It was just something that I was using um, because I didn't want to feel the pain. And yoga was taking me back into my body. uh, And I was starting to feel things again. And that sucked and it hurt, but I needed Mm -hmm. to do it in order to heal. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And do you have her- participants to do? I want them to feel uh, the pain. Yeah. Yeah. You have, I think a lot of people try to avoid that today. Like everybody talks about, Oh, it's in the past. It's in the past. It's in the past, but you're going to carry that stuff around like luggage until you deal with it. And even then it's still there. It's always going to be there unless Absolutely. you deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't go away. It shows yeah. it's up in other ways and it'll manifest differently. Um, and I call it the, the issues you get, the issues are still in your tissues uh, <laughs> you work through some of that. Right. Uh, yep. it, it doesn't go away. So yeah. we, we got to sit in it we got to process it. Uh, and we got to heal it. Do you have a relationship with your dad? Yeah. So, uh, my dad and I were able to, uh, reconnect, but there were many years that I didn't talk to my dad. Yeah. Many years. Um, that I harbored a lot of anger towards my dad. And that's been part of my healing process. Uh, my dad has now been born for four years. He passed away. Okay. Um, and uh, due to a really an unhealthy lifestyle. Uh, mm. And my dad tried to make amends. And he tried to be the best dad and grandpa that he knew how to be. Mm-hmm. And um, But I've forgiven my dad. And I think that that's also been a part of my uh, faith walk is that forgiveness because I really harbored a lot of resentment, uh, for my dad, for the years of mm-hmm. abuse and for not being there. Uh, but today I tried to, um, I try to just really look back on the good stuff. I have a, um, a tattoo on my arm, uh, <laughs> that the audience can't see, right. But it's a fishing hook and it says dad, um, because yeah. I have amazing memories of my dad taking me fishing when I was a kid and I would yeah. be the only girl, um, with my dad <laughs> and my uncles and my cousins. And sure. I would often catch all the fish, uh, yeah. all the catfish growing up. Uh, I often would, and my dad would give me a hard time because I'd be talking so much, uh, because mm-hmm. I couldn't, you know, be quiet on the boat as a, <laughs> right. Uh, and so I really focused today on the good memories with my dad Uh, And my dad made me strong. You know, my dad, when I would go to him and want to borrow money to bail my boyfriend out of jail, my dad wouldn't give it to me. And I think, and I'm thankful for that today because uh, my dad made me uh, realize, like, you got to put in some hard work, Cheryl. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he built some resilience in me, some strength and determination. uh, And I don't quit. And I owe a lot of that to my dad because he Mm -hmm. he was never a quitter and he worked hard his whole life. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm glad you're able to heal that. Did he admit that he had done wrong? You know, he did in his own way. My yeah, dad was yeah. a big talker, but uh, yeah. he would. He, especially in moments, I mean, my dad, my dad drank up until his death pretty much and smoked. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, he said, I'm sorry, several times. Yeah. Several times he would say, and he would just say, I'm sorry. And he wouldn't go into elaborate on that. But I knew, I knew what he meant. And, um, you know, my dad had a rough life. My dad grew up poor in North Carolina. He was drafted in the military uh, when he was 18. And uh, he grew up and his his dad passed away uh, in his 40s from uh, alcohol uh, related liver disease. So my dad grew up, uh, he had, you know, 10 brothers and sisters. And so I just, I I see what my parents grew up with. uh, And I know they really were doing the best they could. 
that was going to be one of my questions is what were his parents like? And it sounds like he just answered that. So it's, he's the product of his environment also. He just never dealt with it Absolutely. at all. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and and I don't think in the seventies, sixties, seventies, eighties that there were nearly the resources available to help people like that, and and the culture wasn't one that really was open to that either. So it doesn't surprise me that he didn't necessarily deal with it at the same time. Absolutely, no, and, and I think that's one of been one of my biggest things, Tony, is that I've really wanted to um, not only heal myself and my family for for us, but mm-hmm to break the generations, right? Because it's been Absolutely. going on for many generations. And well, that's what I Pastor Shane know. talks about too, is breaking that generational thing, right? So Absolutely, right. And it's that is key is to stop yeah. it. So it's not continuing on for generation after generation. My, you know, my grandmother had uh, children at an early age. My mother had me at 18. I had my daughter at 20. Yeah. What I wanted for my kids is for them to, uh, and not saying, you know, having a child early is, you know, going to give you a bad life by any means. I don't mean that, but uh, just there's the circumstances. Yeah. 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 Stopping yeah. some of those behaviors um, that maybe don't, you know, lead to the best uh, and easiest life, if you will. So how was, how was your son's, how did your son do through childhood and through school? I know our sons went to daycare for the same daycare for a little while. Yeah, which is so crazy. Now they're off and these young men uh, prospering. And so uh, my son did did well. My son did well growing up. Uh, You know, I say he was lucky that he had, you know, two parents at home that loved him and he had a big sister who he admired. And he was pretty young uh, when my daughter was going through some of those things. And so he doesn't necessarily remember a lot of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, both of my kids, you know, they're, they're 10 years apart. So they're, uh, I say they're almost like they're only children, uh, <laughs> that. Yep. and, uh, both pretty high achieving perfectionists. Yep. Uh, my son now is, is off to Boston, uh, and a freshman at, at Boston university. So, um, and, and doing well out there, but, uh, he does not have a faith, uh, a belief in God. And so, um, that's been something that's been interesting through our family, but, um, I yeah. respect him and his choices. And again, I didn't come into my faith until my mid forties. And so, uh, yeah. I just try to lead by example and, uh, he will mm-hmm. kid me from time to time and ask me, oh, what'd you learn at church today, mom, or who are you praying for today, mom? And so, mm-hmm. uh, we just have some, some fun with that. Uh, and so, uh, you got to plant the seeds. You have to plant seeds for that somehow. And, and, you know, so you definitely do. And, you know, I think the, the, the interesting part about my faith journey is, you know, I'm still on it as we all are. Right. And so, um, you know, so I started back in first free, gosh, it's been four years now that I started Mm -hmm. at first free and, uh, I was baptized, uh, two years ago, two Mm -hmm. years ago at the end of September. Yeah. Thank you. It was amazing. Yeah. It was such a great, ex- and I had never been baptized before. Because <laughs> I grew up in the church. So, yeah. yep. uh, so the, the, the interesting thing about that is I actually thought, and this is again, my naivety, uh, perhaps, but I thought, well, now I'm a Christian. Now I'm a child of God and life is going to be amazing. Uh, it's going awesome, to be easy street and I've got God on my side and look out world. And, um, I can say the last two years have probably been the hardest two years of my life. And I've endured some pretty shitty things in my, in my life. Yeah. And so, 
um, kind of this will take us up to present day and what's been going on with me is um, two years ago, I started having some issues in my marriage. And mm -hmm. so, uh, and that's about- I mean, Jim, Jim had started walking the faith journey with you as well, right? I mean- Yes, we had been yeah. attending church together. Yep. Attending, attending church together. Um, and at this point, uh, I was two years into my business. Uh, mm -hmm. So I had left the YMCA and pursued my own uh, training studio, which was a pretty a big leap of faith for us, but it was going well. Um, yep. But if anybody knows, being an entrepreneur and a small business owner, especially a solo entrepreneur, it is very, very hard work. It is yeah. long days. And uh, I especially wellness, you, you have to take appointments when people can meet you, right? I absolutely, mean, which yeah. is early mornings and late nights. And so yeah. and I was still teaching classes at the Y. And so uh, I put a lot into my business and and maybe too much uh, yeah. as I look back in hindsight. And so uh, my marriage started to take a turn. Yeah. Uh, and my Jim uh, uh, had started uh, drinking. Uh, and of course I'm not drinking mm -hmm. and that created some, uh, space between us, some distance because I wasn't really interested in going out. Uh, and not that I had a problem going out and not drinking because I didn't, but mm -hmm. it just really wasn't where I wanted to spend time was at a bar. Yeah. Uh, and so we started to have just some issues in our marriage and we started some counseling and, uh, then COVID hit. Yep. 2019. Yeah. Spring of 2019, COVID hit. And uh, then we're all sort of in the house together. Uh, mm -hmm. Our daughter has moved to St. Louis. And she and was, was she married at the time or she got married or? She was not, she was not married yet. Okay. Uh, she is in, was in a long, with, with her now husband in a relationship, which is a very good, healthy, stable relationship. But she was awesome. struggling. Uh, yeah. At that time and prior to that as well, having some mental health struggles, being in a new city, finding a job. Mm -hmm. And um, she started her walk of faith, though, uh, the year awesome. of COVID and nice. uh, read the Bible. That's, that's almost shocking to me, considering it's not shocking to me, I guess, but there's, uh, I don't know. I mean, so many kids today just think they can do it all on their own and they don't need that. And the culture and the media and nothing leads people to that really, unless you're willing to look somewhere else other than TV basically. So Absolutely. that's awesome. Well, I, and I think for Skyla, I think her anxiety and depression has really started to rear its ugly head again in St. Mm -hmm. Louis. And she didn't have, I mean, I remember having conversations with her on the phone that she was very suicidal again. And okay. as a, as a mom, that was very worrisome to me because it was only her and Jacob, uh, her now husband in St. Louis, and they didn't know anybody. And yeah. so I was very fearful for her. And mm -hmm. so she started digging in her faith and she read the Bible in the year of COVID right before she ended up having our, my now granddaughter, <laughs> uh, she read the Bible and uh, if this isn't a testament to the power of God, she said, you know, I will never, ever consider suicide again because of my relationship and my faith in Jesus Christ. Awesome. Good. So again, he's, he saved her, right? He yeah. saved her again. And so, um, 
unfortunately, that was when things really took a bad turn in my marriage. And so COVID and we're in the house together. I'm concerned for my business because gyms are shutting down. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily, I diversify and uh, I might not be a lot of things, but I do consider myself a very smart businesswoman. And I have a lot of different things that I do within my business. And so I was considered an essential employee for some of mm -hmm. my endeavors. And so my doors okay. never closed. I'm so thankful and grateful. Because you're, were you more, because you're more on the behavioral health side of things? Because or, I do some work yeah. with Lacrosse County uh, that works with gotcha. uh, some clients that experience that trauma and addiction. Uh, I sure. do yoga with them. And then I also do some wellness coaching for school districts with their staff. And so that I was able to do in a virtual environment. Okay. And so those opportunities allowed me to continue to work, which was uh, number one, great from a financial perspective, but I needed my work. I needed my yeah. work more than ever because things were falling apart at home. Yeah. Um, my son is at home and homeschooling. He's not able to swim because of a shoulder injury. And of course, because everything is closed mm -hmm. and to say that things were stressful uh, is just such an understatement. I look back to that time a year and a half ago, and uh, part of me just, I read back to some of my journals because I started journaling at the time. Um, okay. Jim did not want to do therapy anymore. So where I were you doing? Where were you doing therapy at? If you so we were mind. doing it virtual. Like, okay. But not was it Christian or non-Christian or? Uh, she, yep, she is a Christian-based therapist, okay. and she had actually been my therapist ten years prior uh, okay. when Jim and I had had some uh, had some uh, difficulties in our marriage. Then we had uh, we had reached out to some therapists, but she was just my therapist at that sure. time. Sure. Um. So I decided to continue with her, and uh, then my son and I really started developing. Not that we hadn't had a close relationship, but. Uh, my husband uh, was checked out. He was drinking daily. He was sitting in front of the TV. Uh, he was still going to work, but he was not engaged at all. And he worked and outside I, the home doing uh, refrigeration, I think, right? Yeah, or something. being in air conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. So he was always, he was never a non-essential type employee or something like right. that, right? Yes. So, so yeah. he was working, right? He was never yeah. unemployed. Um, and my schedule was lighter. So I tried to be there as much as I could for my son, uh, yep. weather's getting nicer. So we literally got out and we walked every day. We yep. walked, we hiked, we talked, uh, he didn't know a lot of what was going on. And I shared with him, um, I shared with him what I thought was appropriate and I yep. answered questions. Uh, but his dad did move out, uh, that summer. And uh, there were hard conversations that had to take place. Yeah. Uh, and there was some darkness. And uh, my faith was pretty strong with God uh, through some of that. And I, I say today, um, I, I know why I was drawn to get baptized that September. Um, because God knew. God knew what I was going to be facing. And he knew I was going to need him even more. Yeah. Uh, my ex, I had hopes of reconciliation. We actually even went and met with Pastor Shane separately. Uh, and I had hopes uh, and I prayed uh, that we would reconcile. Uh, unfortunately, that did not happen. And he did file for divorce uh, last September. Yeah. 
Uh, I continue to be faithful uh, through prayer, and my son and I remained living in our family home. Uh, it had really been the only home that my son had known his whole, most of his whole life. Uh, mm -hmm. My son was also moving into his senior year <laughs> during yeah. COVID, uh, yep. homeschooling, uh, <laughs> which was, again, challenging in and of itself. Um, I can honestly say that many times I didn't want to get out of bed. Uh, I found myself slipping into a depressive state. Um, I found myself many times um, at the liquor store, uh, standing face to face with a bottle of vodka, mm -hmm. a bottle of wine. Uh, I never purchased it. Uh, yeah. I never went home. I never took a drink. Uh, and that's again, by the grace of God, that that didn't happen, yeah. uh, that I made a choice. Uh, and a lot of it was because of my son uh, and because of my business, I needed to show up for my clients because they were struggling with mental health, as I think so many were during COVID. Uh, we're disconnected. We're cut off from community. We're cut yep. off from our family and our friends. And so um, I just kept yeah. trying to show up. Yep. Uh, I just kept uh, trying to show your son, up. Did, your, did, did Isaac have a lot of anger at this point? Yes. Does he still? Yes. Yeah. He does. Uh, and that's what's been interesting as we've transitioned now into 2021. Uh, we got through uh, graduation. Uh, we got through prom. Isaac never went back to physical uh, high school. He stayed virtual uh, okay. because of all that was going on. My son is a very scheduled boy and he needed he needed to stay on his schedule because his life was being blown up essentially. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I respected that. And, uh, we got each other through, uh, through the time. And he would often say, uh, I just, I wish dad would have waited. Why couldn't he have waited until I went to college? And I initially thought that too. Uh, but having gone through it now, as I look back, uh, I'm glad that Isaac was here. I'm glad that I was able to help him to some degree. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah. I'm glad he was able to help me uh, because ultimately this past summer was one of our toughest summers. We had to sell our home mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in the midst of packing up and selling the home, uh, Isaac's getting ready to head off to uh, one of his dream schools. Uh, he got a full uh, tuition scholarship, which I'm that is awesome. Yeah. Um, just yeah. proud of him. Uh, he works so hard uh, and continues to work so hard. Um, but I know that he has some healing to do uh, because he is his mother's son and he, uh, he throws himself into work as a way of coping. And I've done some of that too. I've thrown myself into work and also mm -hmm. into fitness um, because I'm still trying to heal my heart. Uh, we're, you know, over two years or so close to being into this mess. And yeah. uh, I, I still got some pain and I still got some healing to do. Um, but we're working through it day by day and, uh, and life is, did he ever go, out. did he ever go back to swimming? So Isaac has not went back to swimming. Uh, he actually just, we just talked, uh, last weekend and he said, uh, he got a job as a lifeguard at, at Boston university and he thought okay. he might get back into swimming. And he said, after his shift one day, he, um, he got in the pool and he swam a thousand yards and he said, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I'd love to be able to a thousand yards. And he said he lost the passion. It's gone. Really? Which was really, I cried actually. He told me that last weekend when I was in St. Louis and I was sad to hear that um, yeah. because I loved, loved watching him swim. 
and he was good too. So he was good. Yeah. He was good. But was that also was that his dad's passion, or was that his passion all along? I mean, which was it? That's a good question, kind of thing. I think it was both, um, yeah. but I can say that that relationship was bonded over swimming. Isaac yeah. started swimming competitively. He just turned seven years old um, mm-hmm. when he started swimming competitively, and he qualified for state his very first year as a seven-year-old, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he qualified for state every year after. And that's where his his, his Jim knows sports, right? Yeah. He's a sports yeah. guy, and so he and Isaac bonded over that, and it was beautiful. It was so mm-hmm. amazing. But when Isaac got taken out his sophomore year with a swimming injury, that's when his dad and his relationship really started to kind of take a turn. Um, mm-hmm. And Isaac started getting really, he was always academic and always very smart. Um, yep. But that's when he really got focused on academics and clubs at school and really being a leader within clubs. Uh, and his, him and his dad's relationship started to change a little bit. I don't think Jim mm-hmm. knew how to relate to him. And Isaac didn't know how to relate to his dad outside yeah. of school. Yeah. And, yep. Yep. And that's, and that can be tough. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to speak for Jim and I'm not, but I'm guessing there's a lot of things in his background that he hasn't dealt with either. And, and, you know, so I, and I've tried to, I, I, when I've talked about my divorce on here as well, I'm not going to blame my ex for anything. I'm not going to say she did anything or, or, you know, I don't even go into detail a lot about what, the specifics and things like that, because I, I don't want it to be that way. And I just want, my point has been to say that I had enough junk of my own to deal with that I'm not going to drag whatever may or may not have been on her plate. I'm not going to drag that out, but it, it wasn't, it always takes two to tango. Right. So 100%. And I would, uh, I would say that our marriage our divorce, all of it is we each have responsibility, any kind yeah. of relationship, there's uh, two people are in play, right? And so I do not place blame on my uh, soon to be ex husband, our divorce is not final yet. Um, I do okay. not place blame there at all. Um, I do yeah. believe he has a lot of unresolved childhood trauma that he needs to deal with. And he knows that he's aware. Yeah. Um, because this has been a, a really a growing year for us. Um, we, we put together a graduation party that, uh, was amazing for our son. Uh, we actually moved our son and traveled to Boston together and moved our son into the dorm. That's good. When you're in the midst of it, I'm not sure I could have done that. Uh, when my divorce was going on in 2007, 2008, I mean, that wasn't easy. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Daryl bit her tongue several times. Uh, But at the end of the day, I did it for my son. Because yes. I wanted yeah. my son to have a good experience with both of his parents. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what it comes down to. At the end of the day, we are still parents to Isaac and Skyla. We are yeah. also grandparents to a sweet, amazing seven-month-old, <laughs> uh, Mira May. And so uh, we are always going to have a connection uh, together, right? As yeah. parents and grandparents. And so yeah. uh, I want that to be... Um, to be what it, what it can be, right? The best for all those involved. And so yeah. I would not say that we're friends at this point per se, um, yeah. but we get along because we need to for our family and for our kids, right? Um, yeah. There's still a lot of anger from me. Um, and, you know, uh, I stepped foot in church uh, two weeks ago for the first time since uh, I hadn't been since before my granddaughter was born in, in March. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I spent the summer pretty pissed off at God. Uh, because I felt like 
I, I just felt like I was doing all the right things. And uh, every time I turned around, uh, something else was being thrown at me. Uh, yeah. you know, my, my living situation kind of blew up and I, I was sort of homeless for a couple of weeks and I was living at a friend's and an Airbnb. And then I was in, in my studio and uh, I was in hotels and uh, and I placed a lot of that blame on You're like, God. I'm right back here, right back where I started kind of thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm and six years old. Do you ever have any, did you have like flashbacks of being six again? And so that's where I struggled, Tony. Honestly, yeah. um, I, I, I got to the root of that because I was really struggling with the fact that I had to rent. And again, I'm not to anybody that rents listening to this. Uh, please don't take that as I'm, you know, if you rent you're you know, you're not a good person or something. Uh, I don't believe that. But for me, owning a house was so significant because we had this stable home in Illinois. And then all of a sudden, when we left there, we're homeless, we're living out of our car, we're living with, you know, relatives and neighbors mm -hmm. and uh, the chaos that that created and just not having yeah. that stable home. And then we rented in trailer parks. And I just, it took me right back there when we sold yeah. our whole house and I had been a homeowner for 20 years. And then all of a sudden I don't have a place to live. It took me right back to being that kid again, being fearful, being afraid, like what's going to what? happen now? What kept you from drinking at that point or binge eating or? So I still struggle with the food. Uh, I, yeah. will, I will honestly say that uh, in the last so year, uh, I, 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 gained, I put on some weight in dealing with uh, COVID. It was really kind of up and down. Uh, two yeah. years ago, I was about 30 pounds heavier than I am now. Then I lost about 20. And then I put it back on in this last year mm -hmm. uh, because again, I cycle, right? I go through spurts of where I will go into, like I, I was so stressed I couldn't eat, right? And mm -hmm. then I'm into this hole where I'm eating sugar and binging on candy and whatever I can get my hands on. Yeah. And so the summer was pretty rough, especially uh, August. Uh, I will say that I had a sugar addiction. Uh, yeah. And then, I kind of buried myself in triathlon at the time. So when you're doing long distance triathlon training, that's a good way to have six hours to beat yourself to death on a bike. And <laughs> so I can empathize, well, but, but I was also, I was also eating pretty much everything you could imagine because I'm, it was, I used it as an excuse because I was burning all those calories that I could now eat anything I wanted. And, and rather than, you know, being healthy and, and improving my performance that much more, it was just kind right. of an excuse, right? Absolutely. So, right. Yeah. We absolutely, we gravitate towards those things that will alleviate the pain, take the pain away. Right. Yeah. And then we justify it with other things. And so yeah. I, I finally got sick of my bullshit, right. Of the story that I was telling <laughs> myself, right. Um, at the end, well, beginning of September. Um, so yeah. I get my son off to college. I get moved into my new place and I, I needed a change. I needed something different. So I started 75 hard. Um, it's a challenge. It's a program uh, by Andrew mm -hmm. Frisella. It's free. Yep. He's awesome. Uh, I mean, if you don't follow him on Instagram or, or I think he's on YouTube a lot. Also, he's got a podcast called real AF and yep, yep. he's and good he's at dropping F bombs as well, but uh, yeah, he's pretty aggressive. Uh, but he yep. speaks the truth. Yep. And uh, yep. I had started 75 hard 20 
This is my 20th time starting in the last year. So I discovered his program last August yep. and I started and I, that, and if you don't, he's got these daily tasks that you got to do. And if you miss one, yeah, you so have to start all over, all over right. Yep. All over from the beginning. I'm thinking and, about it. I, I, it's uh, for us, it is very tough right now with being traveling on the road and things like that. And I'm trying to figure out if we can do it. And yep. timing but, has to be right. Timing, yeah. that's what I will tell people. The timing in your life has to be right. And for me, the last year, the timing wasn't right because yeah. part of it's two workouts a day, right? I wasn't going to sacrifice. Two 45 minute workouts, right? Two yeah. And one yeah. has to be outside. Yeah. I, if my son said to me, mom, uh, often what we would do is we would get our computers out and we would sit at the dining room table and he would do scholarships and I would do other work. Um, and that would be our time together. And then we'd take a little five minute break or we'd get coffee. Um, and if he would say to me, mom, do you want to do, you know, study today? I wasn't gonna be like, oh, I got to go get my workout in. I wasn't going to yeah. miss that time with my son to do this program. And that's what would happen. I would, or I'd yeah. screw up on the diet or, uh, mm -hmm. whatever it was. And so, uh, finally, I was like, okay, Cheryl, you're done with the excuses. Your son's at college. Your son's <laughs> in St. Louis. Yes, you've got yep. your business and you've got your dog, but you're not packing. You're not moving. You're in like, a fitness business though, right? So. Right, right. <laughs> like, with the excuses. You need something to turn. You need something to focus on because I'll be honest with you, still dealing with the divorce yep. and my son being gone and being an empty nester, uh, I was feeling a little bit lost. So I started this program. Uh, today is day 49 awesome. and I, I'll finish right before Thanksgiving. <laughs> good timing. Uh, good timing. Which is perfect yeah. timing, right? <laughs> uh, but then I'm going to start phase one, I think, uh, soon after that. Yeah, because um, he's got multiple phases where you can kind of take it to the next yeah. level, right? And, and of course, yeah. right? I mean, you can't just stop with one version of 75 yeah. part. You got to. And, and yeah. phase one is like a five minute cold shower. So I don't know how I feel about that in December, but. Uh, <laughs> at least, that, at least it's inside. You don't have to do right. it outside. So, this is you know, true. there you go. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. Uh, so that's been a game changer for me. That's kept me focused. Um, because you gotta, you know, you gotta drink a gallon of water. You gotta read 10 pages of a, a personal development book. You gotta take a progress picture every day, two 45 minute workouts. One has to be outside. So it means you're walking in the rain or the cold. Mm -hmm. Uh, you've got to follow a diet, uh, no cheats, including no alcohol. Okay. So for what, me, no what book are you reading? What book are you reading? Uh, so I am reading, uh, Oh gosh. He has a podcast. Oh, I wish I could remember the, I took a picture of it. I think, uh, it's good. It's, uh, oh gosh, I'll have to remember it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've read, I, but this is my, I've read like three or four books. I love personal development books. Yeah. Uh, and so that's uh, an easy one for me. Uh, and it's just, it's been life-changing for me. It truly has. Uh, I raised I can give you one more would be extreme ownership by Jocko Wellink. If you haven't read it yet. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Yeah. And All his right. podcast, I mean, his podcast is more military focused as well, but um, in, in some ways, but he has plenty of episodes in there where he talks about um, application of those, of that concept of extreme ownership, of taking ownership for every part of your life, even if it's something most people would say you can't control or that you have no control over or someone else's behavior and things like that, you can still take okay. ownership of that. Okay. Um, awesome. It's not responsibility. They're still responsible for their actions, but how do you lead and how do you take? Yeah. yeah. 
So awesome. But, I will. I, but if you think of, if you think of the one you're reading, you know, send it's, it to me or something like that. Yeah, it's called The School of Greatness by Lewis Howes. So he has a. Oh sure, yeah. He has yep. a podcast. Yeah, yep. he has yep. a podcast. Um, yeah, it's been a good book uh, so far. I've really just been enjoying it, and uh, uh, I loved the David Goggins ones. Uh, oh you yeah. Can't hurt yeah. Me. That was yep. a good. One. That was the one I started with. So. Uh, yeah. And Andy Frisella's book, he's got his own 75 hard book. I read that one too. Um, I read another, I read the, uh, the five love languages for singles. Uh, Mm -hmm. that one was good. Uh, and so, yeah, I love personal development, uh, books. I'm the next one is the Mel Robbins, the new Mel Robbins hand, uh, uh, high five. Yep. Yep. uh, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mel Robbins, she wrote the five second rule. Oh, okay. No, I haven't read either one of those, but yeah, yeah so I have, one, I have a stack full of books that I brought with me in the camper so that I'm still working. It's, that's been the tough part for me is getting our schedules to a point. Yeah. But it's, hold on one second here. I got my eight-year-old. What you need, buddy? No. <laughs> no. Where's mommy? Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know she was leaving, but find a book. I'll be done in a little bit and then I'll go play some catch with the football. Okay. Find a book. No, (laughs) no, no. I'm almost done. So, or we'll be done in a little bit. (laughs) Mommy went to Aldi and to do laundry. So Ah, yeah. Um, but 75 hard has just been, it's been life changing for me. And I, um, and I also started training for a Spartan. I'm so okay. I saw that too. Plans. Yeah. Um, that was a multi, uh, multi Spartans in a single day kind of thing, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I started training back in July, which was again, probably maybe not the smartest, <laughs> uh, because August was so full of, uh, just craziness for me. Uh, mm-hmm. but again, I just needed something to focus on that was just for Cheryl. So, and of yeah. course, you know, I, I keep myself relatively, uh, fit obviously as a trainer. So, uh, you know, but it thing- is hard as a trainer though, because you've got, I mean, you're training somebody else that doesn't necessarily mean you're getting much of a workout though. Right. Right. No, I'm so. not, I'm not working out with them. I yep. am not leading classes anymore. So I'm just really instructing them. So I have to make time for my workouts, which is, you know, I was up this morning at four 30 and I was to the gym by five 30 because I, I, I was at the gym and then already trained two clients before we uh, had our podcast. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then I get my second workout in uh, later in the day, which is usually a walk or yoga, uh, something okay. like that. Um, but yeah, I, I decided I needed a big challenge. And so I uh, decided that I was going to do a, what they call a Spartan trifecta weekend. And now I've done some, some Spartans, but I realized I hadn't, uh, I hadn't actually did a Spartan since 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not much of a runner if, if, uh, uh, I like more of the weights. Uh, so I'm not much of a runner, but I do do some trail running from time to time. And I do enjoy a lot of hiking. So I kind of put myself on a plan and, uh, uh, I had 10 weeks to train for this, uh, Spartan trifecta out in New Jersey, uh, which was essentially, I was going to do the Spartan beast on the first day, which is roughly a little more than a half marathon and roughly 30 obstacles. And then on day two, I was going to do a super, which is roughly a 10K. It came out to be a little more than that, uh, <laughs> a little over seven miles and 25 obstacles. And then the uh, Spartan Sprint is a 5K with about 20 obstacles. 
And that okay. came out to about four miles. Uh, so all in total, uh, was about 20, it was a little over 26 miles and 75 obstacles. Uh, nice. And then if you don't complete an obstacle, your penalty is burpees, uh, 30 burpees <laughs> per obstacle, to be exact. Yeah. Uh, so it was a challenge for Cheryl. And, you know, as I was out doing a lot of long hikes yep. uh, along the way, I, uh, I had some moments of clarity where I realized that, you know, I was beating up my body physically mm -hmm. because I was still trying to heal this heartbreak. Uh, maybe I was trying to beat up my body because I didn't want to feel the pain of the divorce, uh, the pain of being an empty nester now. Um, but being out in nature was also, it's also my way to connect with God. I do a lot mm. of praying. I do yeah. a lot of just thinking and reflecting out there. Um, it's when I have my best uh, moments of clarity in ways that I want to help or work with my clients or just my own life. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I guess twofold with some of that. Uh, and I just, our, our bodies are really pretty powerful um, it's the mind that will stop us. And so <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could do it. Like if I could really get out there and push my body and my mind to do it. And uh, I can say that I did. And many times as I was climbing these mountains, which felt like uh, <laughs> one of them, right? Uh, it was definitely not a runner's course. It was a ski hill out in Mount Vernon, uh, New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> that I just would have such moments of like, Oh God, just being right there with me and just yeah. right in my ear. And, uh, you know, as I would endure some of those obstacles, specifically this sandbag where I'm carrying up, I don't know if it was 25 or 30 pound sandbag up a hill and down mm -hmm. three times, which I did that three times, three times, <laughs> right? so it was three times per race. Um, yeah. and I just, uh, I'll never forget the feeling on that very last day on Sunday, when I took that sandbag off, I literally broke down in tears yeah. because that sandbag carry as hard as it was. And there were people that were stopping on the course that like were like just sitting there because it was, it was hard. Mm -hmm. It was nothing, nothing compared to what I've endured in my life. And yeah. what I've endured this last two years, yeah. There's, and God's been with me. Like I just yeah. appraised him because I give him all the glory for just getting me through this time, getting me through this time mm -hmm. with some grace, yeah. with my faith still intact, with not res resorting to drinking again, which would just be very self-destructive for Cheryl. And not that I didn't have self-destructive tendencies, specifically wherein it comes to the food yeah. uh, or even my fitness, I will use that to numb out a little bit, but I, but I've recognized it, right. I recognize yeah. it and I'm trying to work through some of that. Uh, I'm hey, we're all, we're all broken. So we've all got our, you know, yeah, but half right? the problem is, do you, are you willing to take that hard look at yourself and really figure out, you know, where, where can you improve? Absolutely. And that's what it comes down to just day by day, 
just trying to see where we still need some work to do and trying to put that work in. Because let's yeah. be honest, I can't sit home and cry all day long about where my life is. Is it sad and shitty at times? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, this isn't what I expected my life to be. I expected my, my kids to be grown and me to be with my husband living sort of this, you know, empty nest life together. Uh, yeah. but that's not my life today. And that's not my reality. So uh, I can be sad about it at times. And then I pray and I journal, uh, and I meditate on that, but then I get my ass going and I get to the gym or I show up for my clients or I do the stuff that I needed to do that I want to propel my business forward because if I can get through this crap, <laughs> anybody can really, you, yeah. can. you can. No, unfortunately you haven't had the closure yet of everything of getting your divorce finalized and things like that to be able to kind of put a bow on all that. Is that, what is that going to, what kind of a moment is that going to be for you? Yeah. So I'm still trying to prepare for some of that. Uh, yeah. You know, my, my newest uh, way of dealing with things is travel. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course, I was in New Jersey for the, well, I was in Boston and then yep. I was uh, in St. Louis uh, and then I was in New Jersey and now I was just in St. Louis this past weekend. There are worse habits to have and, and I can't I speak because we're traveling the country and, and a fifth wheel camper. So, you know, if, if that's what you need to do to find yourself, go for right? it. So, it's yeah. good. And so next month in November, I'm traveling to see my son. Finally, I have not seen him uh, since I dropped him off on August 20th. Uh, it's parents weekend this weekend at Boston U, but it's also midterms. So we decided that I was not going to come out because he would be always very conscientious of his studies. And so I'm going to wait and go out in November. We're actually okay. going to do a Spartan at oh, the nice. stadium at Fenway Park. <laughs> they have stadium nice. Spartan races. So we're going to race that together. I'm super excited. I'm going to also spend Thanksgiving with my daughter in St. Louis and her family and then in December, I turned 50 and I'm celebrating in Florida with another Spartan trifecta weekend. Nice. And so I, I'm trying to have those things to focus on because I also know the divorce will be final by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where that's going to play out. I don't know how the court systems work uh, with some of those things, but the final piece for us was selling our house and that happened in August. So gotcha. it's just a matter of getting a court date settled uh, yeah. on that. And so uh, that's going to be hard. I, I know it. I know it's going to be hard. And so uh, that's why I've put some of these pieces into place uh, mm -hmm. to be prepared yeah. uh, for that. And I'm also turning 50, which uh, I'm not super like freaked out about, uh, <laughs> freaked out about turning 30, 40 yeah. piece of cake. Uh, but it's another milestone. Right. And yeah. you know, I feel pretty good. And I feel like I look pretty good for 50, whatever you're supposed to look and feel like, I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but again, it's just another milestone for me. So I'm just trying to uh, get myself, um, I guess for me feeling good physically and having my business at a really good, strong place helps me have a better handle on things, right? Yeah, yeah. Are you even at the point of thinking about another relationship or not? Yeah, it's funny you ask that. So people, <laughs> ask, people ask me that all the time because my ex is- And that's dating. okay if you're not. I mean, and and I didn't for a long time after after the divorce and I needed to find, find stuff out about myself first before I went into something. 
but I was nowhere near healing myself the way it's happened in the last five years. I mean, this was back in 2008, 2009, but, um, but I don't, I'll let you answer it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So my ex has already been on and and been dating a lot, uh, which that's fine. That's his choice. Right. Uh, and so for me, I, I tried it right away out of the get out of the gate, if you will, because I think I was just feeling lonely and just maybe needed some affirmations that I was still attractive and still wanted. And, uh, and yeah. then quickly realized, like, I haven't been single in 20 years. This is like <laughs> well, especially in the, especially in the middle of COVID. I mean, how, how right. much worse time, worse of a time could it be to date? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I just really backed off. And uh, for me right now, I'm not actively, no dating sites, no, yeah. not actively searching, seeking. Uh, I have been on some hiking dates, uh, which is way more my style uh, than yeah. a traditional go to dinner kind of thing. That's not really my, my game. Uh, and so I have really no expectations right now. I'm not looking for it. I am really trying to focus on myself, my own fitness, my business, uh, and friendships, friendships yeah. with other women, which I think our friendships with, um, our, just take a back seat sometimes with relationships and families. And, uh, and so I have a really good supportive group of friends that I want to be connected with again. And so, mm-hmm. uh, if it happens great, but I, I don't know that I would be ready for anything serious because I, I still think there's definitely some healing that needs to take place yeah. uh, with, for me. And then I think also for my children, yeah. uh, I don't know that my children would be, uh, just, I don't know. I just don't a little, feel a little weird or something like that for them. I, I do think so. Right. I just, yeah. uh, yeah. Cause I know that there's some, some healing that they need to, uh, to take place, uh, in their hearts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my ex and I were together for almost 20 years, uh, yeah. and that's a long time. And, uh, that's not something that after, you know, even though we've been in, you know, a year and a half or two years into this, that's not something that just goes away. So, yeah, yeah. Nope. I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Definitely. What do you, you've, you've done talks on, on mental health and trauma and things like that. What kind of a message do you close with typically for that? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's so prevalent. And it's, uh, as I said, it's, it's my daughter and I actually, we hope one day, um, to be able to, uh, to be able to spread a message together, uh, on mental health and suicide and, and taking a Christian and faith filled focus with that. Um, and just how God has really showed up in her life and in my life. And so to anybody that's listening, that's struggling, uh, I say, reach out. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, and I get it. And I know, uh, because I, my daughter has experienced the limited resources that we have in our own community here in lacrosse mm-hmm. in the community of St. Louis, I, I get it. Resources are spread very thin. Therapists, counselors are hard to come by, hard to find someone you connect with. Medications can be just a battle, um, but mm-hmm. find a friend, a confidant, a pastor, get connected with a, a church, uh, a group, something. There's community. I think that is the biggest message that I can send. And that was one of the biggest things in my studio with COVID that I tried to be that community because I knew for my 
uh, participants, sometimes I was the only person that they were having a connection with that day. Uh, And the loneliness and the depression and the isolation, that's when you're alone with your thoughts, that things take a negative spiral. And if you add in any kind of uh, addiction or PTSD into that, oh man, that is just a uh, it's just, uh, you're digging a hole and you're going deeper and deeper. And so, uh, there are services out there. There really are. Uh, and you just have to take that first step. And I know it's hard because back when I was in my, uh, when I first moved here, I reached out to some community uh, groups that helped me as a single mom kind of get my foot under me and, uh, and provide some services. And that's what honestly kept me in lacrosse was having those services and kept me here, kept me in school, kept me working and it helped me be a better mom. So anybody who's struggling with anything, reach out. I I promise you there are services out there that will help you. It is difficult. And, and like you said, they are stretched with, especially with COVID has not made anything easier. And, and, but yeah, there's definitely people out there that care and that, and that are willing to help and, and provide that. And I think you're an awesome example of somebody that's come through that to the other side, despite all the demons and, 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 uh, I mean, you could still very easily be stuck back in Adams in the midst of that or Chicago for that matter, or wherever. And, and have been caught in that cycle and never gotten out of it, but. For sure, 100%. And I would say to anybody, if I can help you, uh, I have scholarships based in my studio and I truly tell every single person that I come in contact with, you know, I'm a solo entrepreneur. So, uh, you know, I don't have unlimited funds, unfortunately, (laughs) I I did. Um, But if you are truly in need of some help and for whatever reason, financially, you cannot afford my services, but believe that I can help you, please reach out yeah. because I do have scholarships in place and I will work with you. We will figure something out um, because that I, I just want it to, I don't want cost to be a barrier because cost yeah. and financials was often a barrier for me getting help and services. And I don't want that to be a barrier for somebody. So, um, and if I can't help you, chances are, I know some resources or organizations that can help you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. So especially for a small business owner to be able to do that. So good for you. But Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I believe that he just calls us to give, to, to give service. Right. And that yeah. fills my heart. If I can help somebody, um, especially break a cycle or get out of the trauma or the life that they're in and, and take steps like that is just one of yeah. the most rewarding things ever. Awesome. Any last words? No, just thank you. Thank you for yeah. coming on. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. Uh, I just want people to know that you are not your past. Uh, you can get yeah. out of whatever situation you are currently in and, and you can live a life that I think God really designed for you to live a life of purpose and a life of meaning. And there's a reason why you're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that you need to discover that. Yeah. Awesome, Cheryl. Thank you so much for coming on. Cheryl Clea, Changing Lanes Fitness. Uh, you can find her at changinglanesfitness.com. Uh, find her on Facebook. Are you on Instagram yet or not? I am, yes, I am on Instagram, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can find her out there and reach out and she'd be happy to help you. So thank you so much for making it today. And I know this one went kind of long, but it was definitely good to uh, to to dig in deep. So I, I hope it uh 
hope somebody gets something out of this too and and just reach out to me reach out to cheryl and and we'll do what we can to help you so thanks cheryl mm-hmm.